Morning, Redeemer. Happy Mother's Day to all the mothers, um, and also special Happy Mother's Day to my uh, wife, who uh, is a new mother, and um, we're grateful for what God's doing in our, our lives. Y'all pray for us. Most days, uh, we're not sure what we're doing, so, uh, and the baby's not even here yet, so <clears throat> y'all pray for us. Um, but we're grateful what God's doing, and um, so like Shannon uh, mentioned, Last few weeks, we've been looking at the parenting. Uh, we looked at a parenting series uh, for the last three weeks or so, and so we're back into the Sermon on the Mount series, and we're picking back up in chapter six today. Uh, and so, if you missed any of the earlier sermons, um, you can go uh, out on the website and find the uh, previous sermons and catch up um, as we walk through the first half of the uh, Sermon on the Mount series. And so, we covered all of chapter five before we jumped into Easter and the parenting series. So today we're going to pick back up, like I mentioned, um, in chapter 6. But just a quick recap of where we, what we looked at so far. So we, what we looked at so far is uh, Jesus, uh, when in chapter 5, when he begins a sermon, uh, informs us that the availability, the king, availability into the kingdom of God is now here, that we have now access to the kingdom of God. And he explains to us what it means for the kingdom of God to invade our lives. Okay? And with that invasion, what does that mean for our lives, our marriages, our uh, desires, our lust, love, money, our hearts, our love? Uh, and how does that affect us in all aspects of our lives? And that's kind of what we've been looking at for the last few uh, weeks in the Sermon on the Mount. So today, uh, we are going to kind of continue in that uh, a theme by picking up in chapter 6 and verses 1 through 18. So let's read the passage and then we'll dive in. So in chapter six, in uh, Matthew chapter six, in verses one, uh, Jesus says, "Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them, for then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven." Thus, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may be praised by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Verse 5 says, And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, that they may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for, the father, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation and deliver us but deliver us from evil. For if you forgive others in their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Verse 16, he says, And when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces, that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face, that your fasting may be seen, not be seen, excuse me, that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by a father who is in secret, and your father who sees in secret will reward you. 
And so as, uh, as we read this passage, you realize that Jesus is uh, picking up on a couple of things that are inherently uh, present in our lives as human beings. One, one of those things is that human beings, we have an inherent need to be good, to be righteous. Uh, we have an inherent need also to be approved by people around us. That's essentially something that uh, kind of underlies a lot of the things that we do and a lot of the things uh, that we believe. And so Jesus, um, Jesus understood that and he addresses that in this passage. So even though we desperately want to be good, and this is actually something that's shared by believers and unbelievers, and it's something that philo- philosophers talked about even before Jesus came on the scene, but Jesus uh, essentially hones in on this desire in our lives as believers, and he says, especially when we worship God, make sure that you do not do it to impress other people. He points that in our acts of worship, and specifically he's talking about praying, fasting, and giving in this context, he says that in our acts of worship to God, our goal should be to find fulfillment in Christ instead of seeking human approval or to appear as good or to appear uh, approved among other men, right? And so uh, he points this out uh, in, pa- in, in the first, um, in beginning in, in verse one, where he says, beware of practicing your righteousness. And what Jesus is trying to get to, get to us, get communicate to us in that, uh, with that phrase is, as we do these righteous acts, and by righteous acts is anything that's religious acts, and specifically in this context, he's talking about giving, praying, and fasting. He says, when you do those, make sure you do that so that you're approved of God, not approved of men. Because if you do it with the idea that you're doing it for man, you will have no reward from God. You will just have the reward that's available to you, which is man's praises. So we're going to kind of look into uh, what that means in the context of praying, what that means in the context of giving, and what that means in the context of uh, fasting today. And so uh, as we look through this passage, uh, um, Jesus kind of, you know, um, fleshes out a couple of things that uh, I want to kind of look at. But one of the main things, like I mentioned, is uh, even with our inherent need to appear as good, uh, Jesus says that reputation and recognition are best left up to God. And so that's kind of the, the thing that he is trying to help us understand and flesh out for us as we look through the rest of the, uh, the passage. So as we read in, uh, in this passage, Jesus addresses those three um, specific acts, and we can pick up um, uh, in verse two where he says, thus when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you. Even before we go on, we, we have to notice that even before Jesus uh, addresses the warnings, he assumes one thing. What does he assume? In verse two we see, he assumes that um, we are all already practicing these acts, right? Notice in verse two he says, thus when you give. And again in verse five he says, and when you pray, and in verse seven, and when you pray, he mentions again, and in verse 16, he says, and when you fast. And so there's an underlying assumption that we're actually practicing all these things uh, on a regular basis, and they're part of our worship. And so I'm not going to assume that all of us do practice this uh, on a regular basis or that we do it to the extent that we want. So I want to, uh, before even looking at the warnings, I want to spend some time uh, exploring what giving, praying, and fasting looks like before we look at the warnings of Jesus. Sound good? So uh, let's begin with the, with the first act of worship. And so um, uh, and in this context, it's uh, giving to the needy, as, he, as we just read in uh, verse 2 of chapter 6. So uh, we have to begin by asking, why, why is it necessary for us as believers to be giving? Right? Why is it necessary for us to participate in the act of giving as an act of worship? Well, a couple of things 
uh, that, that comes to mind is, well, throughout scripture, giving is uh, regularly seen as an antidote uh, to the selfishness and greed in our hearts, isn't it? Right? We, we see giving uh, as, as the medicine or as the way that God helps us let go of our money and our resources. It's the way that God has structured for us to participate uh, in what he is doing secondly. But before we even go into that, uh, when we, when we um, it's something that I struggle with and I, I, I have a feeling a lot of you struggle with this. Uh, when we make money and when we have resources to our disposable, disposable we constantly want to uh, use it for the expanse of our lives, for the, uh, you know, for the comforts in our lives, right? A lot of times we use it to make our lives uh, feel better or do better or in the lives of our family. And so what happens when you give and give to things that don't benefit you directly, uh, you're actually a- actively fighting that selfish need to have, to hoard, to control, and to uh, hold tightly. And that's one of the main reasons that Jesus ex- uh, ex- um, asks us to participate in the act of giving. Secondly, uh, or the second reason I think giving is important, and this is probably one of my favorite reasons, is that when we participate in giving, whether it's giving to the needy or whether it's giving to the church, Big C Church or, uh, you know, the church here, or when we give to uh, a cause, uh, what we're doing is we're partnering with God as God uses that, um, uh, as uses that need. So, for example, when you give to the needy, you're becoming God's hands and feet to that needy person. When you give to the church and the church uses those funds or resources to be able to, uh, in its ministry, whether it is the salvation of souls, whether it's the preaching of the gospel, whether it is changing the lives of the people around us, what, is, uh, what are we doing? We're basically reallocating things that we could use for ourselves and refunneling it into, the, into, the, into causes so we can partner with God in, that, in those causes. And that's essentially one of the uh, other reasons why God asks us to participate in the giving. And so what happens when when we participate like that with, with God in, the, in, the, in that giving process? Well, when, when souls are saved, when lives are changed, when the gospel is preached, then we, as, uh, we get to be- benefit from those blessings. We get to participate not only in the giving, but also in the blessings that God uh, showers because of, uh, of the work that either this church is doing or because we're doing to the needy. Does that make sense? And so that's part of the reason why God asks us to participate in the giving. So next time you participate in the act of giving, don't see it as I'm writing a check or I'm checking the box of uh, being generous. See it as a way of participating with God as an act of worship. And so with that in mind, let's look at Jesus' warnings when we give. Uh, what does verse 2 say? Verse 2 says, When you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may be praised by others. And so one of the main temptations when we um, when we practice the act of giving is that we feel the uh, desperate need to be recognized. Again, I don't know about you, but it's something that I struggle with. We, we desperately uh, feel like whether we give to a charity or give to uh, the needy or give to a church, we feel the temptation to be noticed and acknowledged because we have given. It's something that has required a lot of sacrifice on our end, and because we have given, we want to be acknowledged for it. And that is why Jesus is reminding us to check our hearts when we give. Some biblical commentators um, point to the uh, practice that Jesus is referring to here that the Pharisees used to do. In their weekly giving, uh, the Pharisees would set up trumpets or people to uh, trumpets. So when they went about giving their weekly offerings or their weekly um, alms, uh, they, would, they would sound the trumpet so as to bring attention to themselves. Hey, look at me, I'm giving. 
right? That was kind of the practice, that the extent that they went to uh, to practice, uh, to show other people that they were givers. And, and so uh, today that might look like uh, taking a selfie and posting it on Facebook when you give, right? Something, something along those lines. Or uh, asking for our names to be on the buildings that we, with the condition that if we donate our names to need to be on the building. Or maybe you can participate at that level. Maybe you said, well, I can contribute to uh, buying a mop or a broom, and if you put my name on that, then, you know, I'll contribute. <laughs> Um, it's funny because yesterday, or not yesterday, two, a couple of days ago, we were at a graduation at a Christian school, and uh, college, I should say, and um, I, the graduation was over, and I was in the front lawn of the, of the chapel where the graduation took place, and I was just wandering around while they were taking pictures, and uh, I noticed the, in the kind of the flower bed or where the bushes were a nameplate, and um, it was weird. I, I didn't notice, so I went over and read it, and actually had the last name Holly, which is Lindsay's maiden name. And so Lindsay's dad was there, and I was like, "Hey, it looks like you know they've buried some of your relatives here, you know, with a nameplate." And he was like, "Well, that's not what it is." And so come to find out, that's that's the name of the person that donated uh, the bush uh, to the uh, flower bed, and so they get their name to be uh, you know on on the nameplate. So uh, now Jesus not Jesus is warning us specifically not to act. Uh, or not in our act of giving, not to use that as a way to draw attention to ourselves or to prop ourselves up to seek attention or gain popularity, right? So if you do seek, if you do give to seek the attention of man and God says, you will receive a reward and that reward is the praises of man. But in the midst of the praises of man, God's praises will be silent. God's reward will be held back. God will withhold his reward that he had for you because you have already received your reward in the form of praises to man. And so we miss out on the eternal uh, reward that God has for us, and obviously it's significantly better than anything that man can give us. So, um, so it's a reminder for us that as we practice giving, that we do not do it with a way of uh, gaining attention or gaining popularity among the people that we give. Now, Notice that Jesus is not saying that if anybody sees you giving, that you will have no reward. That is not what he's saying. Uh, he's specifically talking about people that give with the sole intention of gaining uh, popularity or with the sole intention of being seen. Did you catch that? Let me repeat that. He's not saying just because people see you giving or that you always have to give anonymously. That's not what he's saying. He's saying if you give with the sole intention of being seen, then your father will withheld his reward. You will have no reward from your father. You will only have the reward of being seen by other people. And so um, here's a question for us to ponder this week if this is something that um, the Holy Spirit is speaking you about. Uh, we begin with the question of why do we give? Why do you give? Uh, maybe you've never searched your hearts for those intentions of giving. Uh, today's a good day to start. Uh, one way to test uh, to see um, or understand your patterns of giving uh, is to uh, observe your patterns of giving. When do you give? Uh, what causes do you give? Uh, what instances, the instances in which you give, uh, what are behind them? Do you wait till Thanksgiving to serve at the local food bank? Well, because everybody else is doing it and you have a selfie to go with it, right? Or, or, do you, or is the pattern of giving in your life generally consistent and regular, right? Because part of the, one of the main ways you can uh, address this need to be seen by others when you give is to just give consistently, without no external uh, circumstances prompting you to do so. 
Because when you give, then you give when you're bored, when you give, you give when you don't want to give, you give when you're in need, you give when you have plenty. That regular giving builds a rhythm in our lives where it glorifies God because we're giving solely to glorify him, not because um, we feel like we're helping other people, but more because we're worshiping God through that act. And so uh, before Shannon gets emails, let me say there's nothing wrong with serving during Thanksgiving or giving to popular causes or having your name on the broom or in front of the bush. But, uh, but the, allow the Holy Spirit to search your hearts in, in those acts. Uh, make sure that it's ensure, ensure that it's done purely unto the Lord and for his glory. Uh, because, when you, because that's the temptation that we face. And it's not, a, it's not a one-time thing, and you will fall short. And when you fall short, repent and try again. Uh, because this is just one, uh, this is just, you know, it's not a one-time thing. It's something that we have to regularly do as we regularly participate in giving. So Jesus is saying, give, uh, as you give, give glory to the Father. Uh, and don't do it to be seen by men because recognition and reputation are best left up to God. The second uh, religious act that Jesus addresses here is the um, uh, practice of prayer, and we see that in verse five. Again, before we look at um, we look at the warning that Jesus gives us, let's look at what prayer is for us. And this is brief, and most of you are probably familiar with prayer and the role of prayer in our lives. But what is prayer? In my understanding, prayer is an arrangement that God has set up for us to communicate with him. Right? I see prayer not as just a religious activity, but something that God has invited us to be part of so we can communicate with him uh, and uh, participate with him in what he is doing in our lives and in the lives of the people around us. Right? And so um, uh, one of the things, uh, when, when you, as you look at the Lord's Prayer, too, you see God, uh, God asking or instructing his disciples to pray that God's will be done. Right in our lives, but so not only in my life, but in the lives of the uh, folks around me, and so that's this part of what we do when we pray. We participate with God in what God is doing and how in what what He's up to in His kingdom. Secondly, we pray, uh, be, uh, and when we pray, we acknowledge to God our dependence on Him. Right, we we acknowledge our, the insufficiency of our own ability to manage our own lives. Right, it's something that as I, I'm understanding as I get older. Uh, right, because um, I, know, I know for me, um, prayer generally falls into two categories. It's usually the first option or the last option instead of being the main option, right? What's the difference? So the first option is uh, I hit a crisis or I need, feel like I need to pray, and so I pray, I give it two days, see if the results are there that I'm looking for, and it's like, okay, plan B. Like, that didn't work. Let's go to plan B. So, um, but I did my duty to pray, but, but I'm moving on now because that didn't work. Or the last option is you've tried everything. You've gone to the moon and you're back and tried everything else under the sun and you just throw a prayer in there for good measure, right? Uh, and, uh, but what, 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 uh, what, do we, what do we miss when we, uh, when we pray like that? Well, we miss uh, prayer. Uh, we, we, that's because we view prayer not as a, a way of participating with God, but as a, as a task to do. And so uh, what if we viewed prayer as a way of partnering with God, conversing with him the things that are on our hearts and listening to the things that are on his heart, right? Uh, because once we take that perspective of prayer, we're more apt to pray or lean into God and pray with an expectation that God is going to answer. We're going to move away from our self-dependency and pride and lean in and expect God and look to God to provide, Right? One of the things that you notice here in uh, verse 8, I'm going to just quickly jump uh, to verse 8 um, briefly. It says, do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. So why do we pray if God already knows uh, what we are about to ask him? 
while he's waiting for you to see, tell him if, he, if you want him in, in your life. He's waiting to see if you plan on managing the situation by yourself or you plan to invite him into that, right? Because we are, have our own will, right? Um, and God, God does not force his will on us and we are expected to invite him into that. And so um, uh, part of the reason we ask is because we invite God into the, those uh, needs and in those spaces and in those prayer times so that God, we can participate with God in what God is doing. So, uh, so once prayer is a regular part of our worship and it, become, it gets to an, uh, a point where you feel like it's, it's something that you are partnering with God in, then let's look at the warning that God has. So in verse five, he says, and when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and the street corners, that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you that they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father who is in secret and your father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your father knows what you need before you ask him. And then he goes into the Lord's Prayer. So Jesus continues the same refrain that he gives in the previous uh, section. Uh, He's uh, aiming for our hearts as we undertake this uh, act of prayer, as we undertake this activity of prayer, because Jesus knows our hearts are wicked. He knows that even in prayer, which is an act of worship, we will use it uh, to prop ourselves up, to make ourselves look good, or to seek human approval. And so Jesus kind of go, uh, hones in on, uh, on that uh, need of our lives and tries to address it. And so Jesus is addressing two types of uh, prayers here, or two types of praying people here. The first we see in verse five, he says, for the people that stand in the corners and just pray publicly. And so that's the first group that he's addressing are people who pray to impress other people or impress other people with their prayers. So uh, this is, uh, you probably fall in this category if the only prayer life you have is a public prayer life. Right? You only pray when you're in, in, the con- in the midst of other believers or when you're in a group of people. Right? But you have no p- private prayer life to back it up. Right? And so that's what Jesus says for you, uh, make sure you go into a room, shut the door, and seek God, you and him, uh, one-on-one, right? And so that's the, the group that he's addressing with that refrain. And so the other um, group that he's uh, addressing, that's in uh, verse seven, and that is the group that, uh, who pray long prayers and wordy prayers to impress God, right? Uh, um, a lot of times, because we, we're not sure if God actually likes us, uh, or even loves us, or that he's actually going to give, uh, pray, uh, you know, address our needs to, uh, that we have raised up through prayer. Uh, we feel like we need to manipulate God with the, the right words, the right tone, the right rhythm, right? And so we pray so as to impress God. And that's what Jesus is warning us against. He says, uh, don't pray to impress God. One, because he already knows what you need, uh, but second of all, he already loves you, right? And he already knows your needs, so he's willing to give it to you. You just need to ask plainly. So that's what Jesus is trying to address here with the second group. Now both of these are attempts, or I should say feeble attempts, for us to manage our reputation and status because our hearts have placed its confidence and trust in ourselves instead of placing its trust and confidence in God. As believers, Jesus says, you can ask and you will receive, right? You can put your trust in me because as you need, I will provide, 
right? That is part of God's character. And so um, when we pray, we have to uh, recognize the opportunity that we have in prayer. It's not just asking for things that, so that we can uh, prop ourselves up or asking so that, um, so that we, can get, uh, we can get our agendas done, but asking so that we can partner with God in what he is doing and what he's doing in our lives and in the lives of the people around us. And so, and, and Jesus, the second thing that Jesus points out to us there is that God's approval when we pray is the only significant thing that matters when we pray. Not what other people think or not if other people think we're prayer warriors or not if other people or other think that we haven't prayed with enough sophistication. So here's some questions with regarding to prayer to ponder over this week. So what are the par- patterns of prayer in your life? What does that look like? Do you have a steady private prayer life that you utilize to communicate with God? Uh, Or do you shy away from prayer altogether because, well, you've tried it and it didn't quite work or it didn't make a difference? Uh, Or do you see prayer as a tool uh, to check the box so that you are quote-unquote right with God? The second question I would ask um, uh, to ponder over, and this is a little bit subtle uh, point in in the Lord's Prayer that you see, and that is do you have a public prayer life? Meaning, do you pray with other believers? You won't have a lot of time to look at this, past, uh, this part of the, of the sermon, uh, but in the Lord's Prayer, uh, look at how Jesus teaches the disciples to pray. Now, just notice that he just finished saying, go into your room, close the door, pray by, your, pray by yourself, and then he begins at the, uh, the disciples or instructs the disciples to pray like this. How does he begin the prayer? Our Father. Right? And that theme continues throughout the, uh, the prayer. He says, give us this daily bread, forgive us our debts, uh, and lead us not into temptation. Instead of saying me or I, he's saying us. And that is the, that is the recognition where Jesus is recognizing that prayer is not just a private uh, matter. It is something that needs to be done also publicly with other believers. And so uh, Jesus is uh, letting us see that uh, in, this, in this context or in this prayer. Uh, Tim Keller in his sermon on the Lord's Prayer asked this question, who do you groan in prayer with? Right? Who are you bearing burdens in prayer with? Uh, here at Redeemer, we do that in two ways. Uh, one, uh, you, uh, on Sundays at, at 9.45, right before service t- starts, uh, we have a, f- a few uh, folks that gather in room five. Uh, and that's a great opportunity for you to pray. Just come listen in as people gather together to pray for what God is about to do in our services, to, for God to bring people in, for God's people to prepare their hearts uh, so that the, that the word might uh, do its, have its effect on, on their lives. So that's one opportunity for you to participate in. Um, and the other way we do that is, um, is at life groups, right? Uh, at life groups, we, we try and participate in prayer as a group uh, of believers. We, per- we pray for the things that are relevant to the group at large, but also for individual needs or needs in our community. That's a, that's a great time for you to uh, gather together with believers that you trust and that you're comfortable with to pray with so that you can, you can bear their burdens and they can bear your burdens with, with you. Right? And obviously we have the corporate prayer that here on Sunday, uh, on Sunday uh, mornings too. But those are two thing, ways that um, though you can participate uh, in corporate prayer or in public prayer if that's something that God's um, uh, urging you to do. Um, but Jesus is reminding us again um, at, the, at the end of the day that when you pray, pray to God's glory instead of man's approval because reputation and recognition are best left up to God. Finally, Jesus moves on to the, uh, the third act of worship, and that uh, he begins uh, in verse 16. And in verse 16, uh, Jesus kind of addresses that idea of fasting. 
uh, and so fasting is not something that's talked about a lot um, in, um, uh, in a lot of churches or in, in any setting, really. Um, about the closest thing you hear to fasting is dieting, which is not the same thing. Uh, dieting is uh, focused on yourself, and fasting is an outward focus on God, so not the same thing. Uh, so if you diet, you're not doing the same thing as fasting, just FYI. But uh, that's the closest thing we hear to anything about fasting. So the primary goal uh, of fasting is to teach us the sufficiency of Christ when we're deprived of food. It's the primary goal of fasting is to teach us the sufficiency of Christ when we're deprived of food. I mean, that's just one type of fasting. There's multiple types of uh, fasting that's available, but this is the, the one I believe Jesus was addressing here. Obviously, they didn't have social media, so they didn't have to fast from social media, but it's something that we have to do probably. Uh, I'm not sure uh, of all of you, but this is very difficult for me. Fasting is a very difficult discipline for me to practice. Um, as, my, as, you can, as my wife can testify, I suffer from a severe case of hangriness, right? Uh, as you can tell by looking at me, I don't have a lot of storage. So when it's time to eat, it's time to eat, right? Some people live uh, paycheck to paycheck. I live from meal to meal, like I need my next meal. So it's, it's very hard for me to uh, participate, uh, you know, act, no, participate in this act of fasting. Um, I should, I should uh, give the obligatory um, Mother's Day um, uh, account. Um, when my when I growing up, my mom used to say, "When if I don't feed Stanley on time, it almost feels like he's demon possessed." Like that's it. She was very straight to the point. She didn't uh, mince any words. So, uh, so that that's something that I've had to work on because of uh, because of my um, uh, because of my tendency to get frustrated, get angry when I don't get my meals. Right, and so um, so I'm not sure about you, but that's something that I've had to work on. Uh, because it's something that uh, affects my life a lot. So when we practice fasting, what are we doing? We're abstaining from the fulfillment of our desire for food. And secondly, we're, look, we're looking to God to nourish our body. Right? One, we're, uh, we're essentially depriving ourselves of the fulfillment that comes from eating, and we're looking to God to nourish our body. And if you think that sounds crazy, that, sounds, that does sound crazy, uh, especially uh, for people that are, don't tr- believe in a God that's all-powerful and all-knowing, right? And so um, most of us can't fathom it because it's not something that we practice on a regular basis. I couldn't fathom it when uh, I first f- found out the role of fasting in my life, and the Holy Spirit convicted me of it. But we see Jesus regularly fasting throughout his uh, ministry and as an act of worship throughout scripture. We actually see uh, fasting in the Old Testament. Uh, a couple of times we see that is when Moses goes up, before he goes up to the, uh, the Mount, Mount Sinai to get the tablets of stone, he, he spends some time fasting. We see Elijah fasting before he faces the uh, prophets of Baal. Uh, we see even it through the New Testament uh, with, with Jesus, uh, like I mentioned. The disciples, right? The disciples practiced fasting uh, before, the, uh, before, they, uh, before they stepped out into ministry. We see Paul and uh, Barnabas fasting before they sent out missionaries. So before they uh, sent out missionaries, they, they practiced the act of fasting. So uh, fact, fasting is something that's biblical, it's in scripture, and it's something that should be in the regular rhythms of our lives. And so uh, two things happen when you fast other than the fact that you're hungry, but two, two other things happen. One, when we fast, we're not just depriving ourselves of food, right? That's dieting. We're learning to receive from God. And so we see this in Matthew 4, 4, where Jesus says, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes out of the mouth, from the mouth of God, right? Uh, th- that's pretty shocking. Uh, can man really live or be sustained by what comes out of God's mouth? 
Well, you can, you can re- uh, experience that in the, in the practice of fasting. And as you fast, the first few times are very rough, uh, but slowly you, your body learns to uh, uh, break the cycle of actually needing what it's asking for. Uh, so the second thing uh, that happens when you fast is that since hunger is such a strong base desire in our lives, uh, fasting affirms the reality of God's presence and draws upon it to nourish our bodies to give us strength. So what do I mean by that? So when, when, we, uh, when we fast and we uh, deprive ourselves the fulfillment that comes from eating, we're telling our bodies, uh, I know you're, you're feeling the desire to eat right now, but we're going to uh, fast and deprive ourselves of, be, of that fulfillment and look to Jesus or look to God to nourish our bodies, right? And so this is, uh, this is actually a good practice to have if you find yourself, um, if you find yourselves or your lives being ruled by the desires in your life instead of God's truth, right? I'm not sure about you. There are parts of my life where excess desire, excessive desire rule my life, right? Uh, whether it's a desire for control, whether it's the desire for stability, whether it's the paralyzing fear uh, of losing a loved one, whatever it may be, uh, fasting uh, helps us get over the fact that just because our body wants it, we should give it to it. It breaks that cycle. I know that's a foreign concept for a lot of us as Americans, but this is actually something that's very biblical and necessary for our lives. And you can start seeing uh, where you see your desire not ruling your life, but Jesus and God's truth uh, ruling your life and your desire submitting to what is good and what is right. So the, um, again, it's not a magic pill or anything. You don't become a saint tomorrow when you fast today. Uh, but it teaches our, our, our flesh to submit to God's rule. So that's all I will have time to say for now uh, on fasting. Hopefully here in the near future, we'll, we'll look at uh, other ways that disciples, uh, other, other activities that disciples can do to uh, submit to God's rule but fra- and, and maybe look at fasting in more detail at that point. But uh, generally, uh, uh, something that I highly recommend. Before we close, though, let's look at Jesus' final warning in this passage for people that do attempt to fast. So when you fast, uh, these are the things that Jesus' warning is about. In verse 16, he says, Do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. What Jesus is saying here is that, uh, again, as you practice in this act of fasting and it's a huge sacrifice for you, deal with the temptation to use it as a way to make yourself look spiritual, to make yourself look spiritually mature. Look at me, I fast, uh, etc. So Jesus is pointing out that that's something that we have to be careful for, careful about. Fasting is not bringing attention to us. It is a way, not a way for us to gain spiritual points because if we fast to be seen by men, we will lose the reward from our Father in heaven and we will be left with the praises of men. God will be silent in the midst of praises of men and God's reward will be withheld because man's praises have already been rewarded to you. So here's some final questions before we close for today to ponder this week if fasting is something that God's speaking to you about. Um, how do you handle the excessive desires in your life? Like I mentioned, the instances, whether it's food, whether it's uh, excessive desire for control or stability or um, uh, the paralyzing fear of losing a loved one or losing an important relationship. If these uh, desires or fears rule your life or, and feed your identity, then fasting is something that you should consider. Fasting is something that uh, can be a good act of worship where you'll find that the desires of your flesh lose its control over you. 
and that you get to tame your, uh, the desires uh, and bring it under God's submission. Uh, so again, practice fasting to the glory of God instead of man's approval uh, because reputation and recognition are best left up to God. So uh, just want to conclude uh, with uh, one more point before um, uh, the band can come up and, we, uh, and I close in prayer. Uh, when we participate in the act of giving, uh, praying and fasting, we're partnering with God in what God is doing in the world, whether it's through our finances where we give and, uh, give and participate with him in that or whether it's participating with him in uh, the act of um, praying or whether it's in the act of uh, fasting. It's a way for us to participate with God. And so when these acts are done appropriately, as Jesus identifies, they bring glory to God. But Jesus warns us that we should not do these activities or these acts of worship, which are all good things, uh, that they should not be done with a way of displaying our spiritual maturity or spiritual uh, authority or as a way of gaining approval from man because that is definitely an inherent need that's in our lives and uh, Jesus warns us against it. Um, Jesus uh, reminds us that we should uh, use these uh, acts of worship as an opportunity to honor him and glorify him. Uh, and your father, uh, he says, who sees in secret will reward you because reputation and recognition are best left up to God. Let me pray for us and the, as the band comes up. Father, we thank you for this uh, time uh, of uh, looking at your sermon on the mount as we uh, consider these three acts of uh, worship whether it's fasting or praying or giving, is something that uh, we all either do regularly or uh, do to some extent or don't do at all. Uh, pray that you first give us the heart and the, uh, and the mind um, to be able to participate with you in that uh, because we want to be able to see and experience your glory and experience your reward and blessings that you have that come with these, uh, uh, practicing these acts. We pray for the folks that are here that have, uh, that one of these things have struck a chord with them. Uh, give us the ability to participate with them and come alongside them and help them uh, to, um, to cultivate these things in their lives, uh, that we might be able to be a church that uh, prays and gives and fasts uh, for your glory alone, for an audience of one, not for the people around us, not for our friends and family, but solely because we know that it brings glory to you and it is pleasing to you and that you will have a reward for us, whether it is on this earth or for eternity. We pray for all the folks uh, that are here that, um, are, that might have heard something and are not sure what to, how to go forward. We pray that you give them wisdom uh, to move forward um, in a way that honors you and that glorifies you. Uh, we ask all this in Jesus' name, amen.